Hey everyone, welcome to a special episode of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. This past week, we were treated to a very special speaker and story by our very own Stephen Ross. Due to scheduling conflicts in his schedule, this week we were unable to record with him and continue to unpack his message as usual and the I am that he spoke on. However, we will be meeting this weekend to make sure we don't miss reviewing his message and exploring this topic in greater detail. His message was simply too good to let slip past, so I promise we will make this happen. I hope you all had a wonderful Memorial Day this past Monday, and this opening in our podcast schedule lent itself to something different than our normal content. In honor of those that have fallen, defending our country and our freedoms, I'm going to read you a short story that highlights one of the greatest military heroes the world has ever known. A man who knew how to float, leaving God in charge in situations most of us can never hope to understand. Across the top of Hacksaw Ridge, men lay dead or dying. Those who still had breath were frantically screaming, Medic! The fear of death in their voices. The sudden onslaught of Japanese soldiers had caught them by surprise. Bullets and shrapnel flew, mortars exploded, and the air was thick with fire and smoke. Hordes of enemy infantry were charging, bayonets fixed. A desperate order rang out, retreat! While American soldiers streamed away from danger, one soldier ran in the opposite direction, toward the enemy, answering the cry of the wounded soldiers who had been left behind on the battlefield. Hours later, he had lost count of how many he had rescued. Exhausted, he refused to quit. He had been known to say, as long as there is life, there is hope. He was determined to find any fallen soldier who still had life left in him. He had been carrying wounded and unconscious soldiers from a battlefield that was still being bombarded by enemy fire. His life in jeopardy, he lowered them, one by one, down a ragged precipice. His uniform was stiff, caked with the blood of rescued comrades. Beneath his helmet, his hair was matted with sweat. When the day had started, his rifle company had launched the assault with 155 men. But after the vicious enemy attack, only about a third of them had found a way to retreat down the steep escarpment. The rest lay wounded, scattered across enemy soil. One lone soldier had decided to charge back into the firefight to rescue as many as he could before he either collapsed or died trying. After treating a fallen soldier's wounds, he would carry the soldier to the edge of the cliff and lower them to his buddies. Corporal Desmond Doss would then crawl back across the treacherous summit looking for another in need of the only medic left in Company B of the 307th Infantry, 77th Division. His determination and courage resulted in saving the lives of at least 75 American soldiers that harrowing May day in 1945. For his continued bravery and outstanding acts of courage, he was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor by President Harry S. Truman on October 12, 1945. As he shook the hand of Corporal Desmond Doss, President Truman said, I'm proud of you. You really deserve this. I consider this a greater honor than being president. Desmond Thomas Doss grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia. He was a sensitive boy with a keen conscience fixed on always doing what was right. As a child of the Depression era, he was satisfied with the simple things in life. His strong religious upbringing formed a foundation of sincere faith and dependence on God. If it was in the Bible, he took it personally. 
If God said it, he believed it. If it was something God requested, he simply obeyed without question. One thing Desmond took seriously was God's will as expressed in the Ten Commandments. He was raised in a religious home where they were held in high regard. An illustration of the Ten Commandments hung on the living room wall of his family's home, and as a boy Desmond would climb up on a chair to stare at the large framed picture. The mind of little Desmond was particularly impressed by the illustrations next to the words, Thou shalt not kill. The drawing depicted Cain holding a club and standing over the lifeless body of his younger brother Abel. Desmond would ask, Why did Cain kill Abel? How could a brother do such a thing? Desmond grew up on Bible stories. He faithfully attended church every week. His day of worship was the seventh day, the Sabbath, as expressed in the fourth commandment. His respect for the Bible led him to a life of unwavering commitment to God and absolute duty to his fellow men and his country. God was first in his life, others came second, and his own needs were considered last. As a young man, he understood the principle of selfless love as illustrated in the life of Jesus Christ. At the time Pearl Harbor was attacked, Desmond was working at the Newport News Naval Shipyard. While his work meant he could have obtained a deferment for military service, he felt the call to serve his country and chose to enlist, believing his service would advance the cause of freedom. But life in the army was not what he expected. The lanky boy from Virginia who spoke with a gentle southern drawl was assigned to a barrack full of tough, streetwise New Yorkers who had no use for his religious ways. Seeing Desmond quietly reading his Bible on his bunk presented an opportunity for ridicule. Boots were thrown at him while he knelt next to his bed, and those he hoped would be his friends cursed him routinely. Desmond became the brunt of cruel jokes and bullying. He was ostracized and threatened, with one soldier warning him, Doss, when we get into combat, I'll make sure you don't come back alive. However, it wasn't only his religion that provoked his fellow soldiers and officers. It was the fact that this Bible-carrying Christian also refused to carry a weapon. How could his fellow soldiers trust a man who wouldn't carry a gun? What happens in the heat of battle when your buddy is supposed to protect you? How would Doss defend himself without a rifle, a sidearm, or even a bayonet? When facing the enemy, no soldier wanted to be next to the guy without a gun. Desmond refused to waver from his commitment to the commandments he had learned as a boy. So when the requirements of his God clashed with those of his commanding officers, Desmond's convictions came first. Because God's law stated one person should not kill another, Desmond believed he shouldn't touch a weapon of any kind. When it came time to go to the rifle range, he refused to participate in the training. His fellow soldiers were not impressed, and his commanding officers were frustrated and angry. Complicating matters was Desmond's insistence that he obey all of God's commandments, including the fourth commandment, which states that the seventh-day Sabbath should be observed as holy. When it came to the seventh day, he refused to carry a broom or a mop. While the rest of his men were involved in army duties on the seventh day, Desmond would request a pass to go to church. If a pass was denied, he went back to his bunk to quietly read his Bible and pray. On Sunday, while the rest of the men received a pass and a day off to attend church or visit town, Desmond was busy with a broom, mop, and bucket, cleaning latrines. Again, this young, iron-willed soldier was out of sync with the army. He was denied his religious freedom in order to work on the day the Bible calls the Sabbath. 
Soldiers who defied a direct order could be court-martialed. So they tried to throw Desmond out of the army as a misfit. But ultimately, the army accommodated Desmond's convictions. In spite of often brutal treatment from his fellow soldiers and ridicule and threatening on the part of his commanding officers, he continued to keep the seventh-day Sabbath and he refused to carry a gun every day of the week. It quickly became apparent to the rest of the recruits that Desmond Doss was a misfit. They thought he believed he deserved special privileges. He became a loner without friend or confidant. For Desmond, every day presented a challenge to survive. The army urged him to quit military life by suggesting he was mentally unstable and not fit for service. But Desmond refused to relent, stating he was more than willing to serve God and country in that order. After a couple years of training in the mountains and deserts of North America, the 307th Infantry Regiment was sent to the Pacific. Desmond entered combat next to his fellow soldiers, never hesitating to run into the heat of a battle in order to save the life of a wounded or fallen soldier. His dedication to serving his men quickly became apparent as he saved one life after another amidst flying shrapnel or a hail of bullets. On the battlefield, Desmond Doss proved his worth to his fellow soldiers again and again. Where they once thought they couldn't count on him, his effectiveness as a combat medic made them realize they dared not go into combat without him. Desmond developed a reputation for being stubbornly committed to leaving no man behind on the battlefield. More than once, he refused a direct order and ran to aid a fallen soldier, not considering how close he might be to enemy lines. Often, he could hear the whispering voices of the Japanese while he treated a wounded soldier. Yet, he repeatedly risked his life in order to return a man to safety. Instead of treating him as a misfit, soldiers now desired to be as close to Doss as possible as they charged into enemy fire. They knew that if they were injured, he would come to their aid. He treated them all with gentle care, no matter how they had treated him in the beginning. He saved the lives of the same soldiers who had cursed him. Now they had the greatest respect for the medic who refused to carry a gun. On one occasion, he found a soldier whose legs had been blown off. While another medic had left the man behind to die, Desmond treated his wounds and carried him to safety. The man survived and raised a family. Often his men would find him reading his Bible and praying. At times they requested he pray for them. They recognized that he carried something of greater value onto the battlefield, the protection of his God. The time came when his unit would choose to wait until Desmond had finished his morning prayers before going back into the heat of battle. They did not want to meet the enemy without first knowing that Desmond's God was with them. They dared not face battle without the assurance and presence of their medic. He had proven himself to be faithful. By the time they reached Okinawa, he had been awarded two bronze stars for valor. The 307th Infantry Regiment saw combat throughout the Pacific. Yet, as heavy as the fighting had been on Guam and on Leyte, nothing could compare to the battles and casualties on the island of Okinawa. Okinawa was the last stronghold protecting Japan. The enemy positions were well entrenched and American troops were met with fierce resistance. Repeated attempts to gain a foothold on the critical Maeda escarpment failed, and there were heavy casualties. The sheer rugged embankment made advance difficult, 
soldiers had to climb up the face of the cliff on ropes and cargo nets. Once on the top of the bluff, they became easy targets for the well-hidden enemy machine guns and pillboxes. After several failed attempts to capture the top of what the soldiers called Hacksaw Ridge, Desmond's company finally reached the top and neutralized several enemy positions. But their success was short-lived when the Japanese responded with an all-out counterattack. American troops were ordered to retreat, and so the soldiers rushed to climb back down the cargo nets. All the soldiers, that is, except one. Most of Company B were not able to make it to the edge of Hacksaw Ridge and back down to safety. Many lay scattered across the top of the escarpment, wounded and left for dead. But Desmond Doss did not turn to run. Instead, in the midst of enemy fire, he ran back toward his fallen comrades. He treated the wounds of each of the soldiers he located, and then carried them to the edge of the cliff. After lowering each one to safety with a rope, Doss prayed a prayer of faith and determination. Lord, help me get one more. Then he would turn back into the hail of gunfire in search of another soldier to bring to safety. As hour after hour passed, God honored Desmond's request, and while bullets came close enough to him that he could hear them whizzing past, he was never hit. All night long he continued to rescue the fallen, carrying them to safety one at a time. His fellow soldiers and commanders believed he rescued at least a hundred men from the top of Hacksaw Ridge that day. Desmond thought it could not have possibly been more than fifty. So the United States government split the difference, stating on his Congressional Medal of Honor citation that he rescued seventy-five men. In actuality, it may have been more. As Okinawa was captured inch by bloody inch, Desmond was wounded in a subsequent battle. While sheltering in a foxhole with two other soldiers, a Japanese grenade landed at his feet. The explosion blew him out of the foxhole and shrapnel tore into his leg and thigh. He stopped the flow of blood and treated his own wounds. While dragging himself to safety, he was hit again by a sniper's bullet that shattered the bones in his arm. Desmond Doss's career as a combat medic was over. But before he left the battlefield, he again demonstrated his selfless character. Wounded in pain and losing blood, he nevertheless put others ahead of himself, insisting his litter-bearers first take another man to safety. Guided by the biblical faith he had made the foundation of his life, he would die if it meant another could live. Desmond practiced the golden rule. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets, Matthew 7.12, even though it might have cost him his life. In agony, he crawled to an aid station before being carried off the battlefield. But on his way to the hospital ship, Desmond suddenly realized that his closest companion was missing. He had lost the little Bible given to him by his wife, Dorothy. Devastated, he sent word back to the front lines. In response, his fellow soldiers, those who had once been hesitant to go into battle with him, scoured the battlefield and found his Bible, and had it delivered to their wounded friend. It took much time and several surgeries for Desmond's wounds to heal. The long, wet, sleepless nights, shivering in a muddy foxhole on the islands of the Pacific would also take their toll. He developed tuberculosis. In time, his left lung and five ribs would be surgically removed. His shattered arm healed but would never again fully function, and his treatment for tuberculosis caused him to lose his hearing. 
He was deaf for many years until a cochlear implant restored his ability to communicate. For the rest of his life, Desmond lived with the aftermath of war. Yet, he traveled thousands of miles, recounting his experiences, and especially enjoyed encouraging audiences of young people. He shared his faith in God and told how God protected him in combat and helped him serve others. In spite of his exploits, Desmond Doss never considered himself a hero. Few would have agreed with him. At the age of 87, Corporal Desmond Thomas Doss died on March 23, 2006. He was buried with full military honors at the National Cemetery located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. A war hero without a gun and a Christian misfit. The soldier nobody wanted and that everybody loathed. God took the most undesirable and made him into the one weapon no one wanted to do battle without. A soldier that did no harm, held no grudge, left no one behind, and made himself last at every possible moment. When we question the seemingly outdated logic and old-fashioned nature that we too often assign to God's way of doing things, I hope that we are all reminded that to the world, we as followers of Christ are everyday real-life misfits just like Desmond Doss, that by exhibiting the traits of God in even the smallest of ways can move people and even armies in ways we could never imagine, all for God's glory. You can find the story that I just read, The Faith of Desmond Doss by John Bradshaw, and other stories about Desmond Doss can be found on Amazon by using the link in today's episode notes. So just swipe up, and I've got a link that will take you to many of the inspirational stories about Desmond's life. So as we wrap up this Memorial Day edition, thank you to our veterans for their service to us as individuals and country, and we honor your sacrifice. We have two quick items to get to. Tammy Sinkamani, please email me your request for the podcast three-year anniversary celebration gift card. You were the winner, and maybe no one more appropriate could have possibly won this gift card. No one has been more enthusiastic and complimentary in their continued support of what we try to do each week on the podcast. And I'm pretty sure she has heard beginning to end every word of every single episode, all 158 of them. So thank you, Tammy. And let me know if you're taking me out for coffee. I'm kidding. Probably. And then next week, we will have two episodes, our aforementioned catch up with Stephen from this past week, and then our regularly scheduled Wednesday episode as usual. So there's a little something extra for you to enjoy and share next week. So Please plan to join us again next Wednesday for episodes 156 and 157. Thanks for listening and have a great week.